Hello, hello. Welcome to Tim Talk Podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 6. I'm the producer, Mr. Justin Martindale, and today I'm the host, as Mr. Tim Robles isn't here today. He is out doing whatever it is that he does here at the church. I don't really know half the time. But with me, I have uh, my sister, Miss Shaquilla Solomon, and my brother, Mr. Kent Shepard. How y'all doing? Hey, Justin. Oh, man, I'm so happy that y'all are here. Kent, uh, here at Sale Street, is the... A youth minister and missions director, and Shaquilla ha- is one of my dearest friends and a great friend of my family, and Shaquilla is here to talk about something that she's going to be doing with her life, and I've been wanting to have her on the podcast, and the opportunity presented itself, so I called her this morning, she said, I'll be there at 11, and boom, <laughs> she was here, and then I called Kent, I said, Kent, you be here at 11, he said, I'm on it, and they both showed up, so I'm so glad y'all are here. Yes. Well, anyway, so we are here to talk to Shock about something that you are going to be doing, and you are moving to mm-hmm. Africa. You are not just going to Africa, you know, temporarily, mm-hmm. month, two months, or whatever. You are mo- literally moving to Africa to yes. do something. Why don't you tell us about what you're going to be doing? Okay, so basically what I'll be doing is teacher training. Um, a lot of mission-based work that goes on, it has to do with building churches and building schools and kind of maneuvering the the lifestyle of the Africans in a way that's more Western, um, okay. in a way that adheres to what we think they need, right. I guess. Um, but this program is more focused on education. So what I'll be doing is training teachers in methods, classroom management, curriculum, and studies that they can give to their students that adhere to African culture as well as Western culture so the students will be able to apply that knowledge outside of the village that they live in now. Okay, cool. So I, I was having this conversation with someone just yesterday that they had they, it was like a meme that came up on Facebook because I'm always on Facebook. I'm a social media addict. Everybody knows that about <laughs> me. But the, the picture was it was this unreached people group and in, in probably uh, in the jungles of the Amazon, mm-hmm. something like that. And it started this conversation of with the unreached people groups, should we be trying to assimilate them and, you know, and bring them to modern society or should we mm-hmm. leave them alone? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, well, are there benefits of not of leaving them alone? I, I guess there are, but also, you know, people still die of childbirth. People are still mm-hmm. dying of dysentery because they're unreached. They're unreached. They're not hearing the message of the gospel. They're still sacrificing people to God's day they can't even name yes. and stuff like that. So when you say that they're trying to make Africa more Western, in what what ways of beneficial do you see? Um, mainly in the educational aspect. What I learned... Like, like learning English? Anything. Anything, okay. Basic math. Oh, I see. History I see. of Got countries it. outside of Africa. Um, and that was the thing that I gravitated toward most with the organization is that they want them to know things that they don't know so they can be the leaders in their community. I got you. Um, and it just stood out. Okay. Kim, what do you think about that? I think one of the things that you just mentioned on the meme, that is something that uh, bothers me. And one of the things that I want to do a lot better job in missions. Um, If you ever get a chance to read Toxic Charity Mm -hmm. by Robert Luffman, um, a great book. And in there, he sets out a mission idea that we are to come in and we can bring in some of the technologies and some of the things that we need to be doing, like helping them build wells in in certain ways to help clean water, to prevent death at births and things like that. 
But we can do that without completely changing the culture. Mm-hmm. Sure. You can enter Christ into their, uh, their society without changing the culture. We, we, we see that um, when the disciples went out and they spread the message. Even Paul, as he went out, they were not trying to change a culture. They were trying to change lifestyles and, uh, and pointing to Christ. I think a lot of times we as uh, people who are in the United States, um, we are very proud to be United States, and we want to change everything into a more what we're like. Right, right, But right. that might not be the solution. Uh, that's definitely not the solution for everything. We don't want to get so involved that we lose people's cultures because people need to be proud. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a Southern. Yeah. And so that there's some culture in that. And, you know, and that's Especially the same thing. here in Louisiana where culture is, you know. So big. It, it's, yes. uh, it, we're one of the, la- I think, one of the last bastions of culture this state, and you know, you go, you go to any middle America state or northern state, a lot of culture has basically been assimilated and is pretty homogenous wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Here, here in Louisiana, it's like a, it's like a different country. Sometimes yeah. I completely agree Definitely. with that, and yeah. I've lived in many areas, and this area is still very proud to be a Cadiana culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the flag you hanging do. right there. <laughs> so, uh, the the one of the points that I really wanted to try to uh, us all three of us to have a conversation about with uh, choosing to go to Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I was when I was preparing for this podcast, the whole hour and a half I had to prepare. I went online and just kind of read some statistics about Africa and missionaries and things like that. And Africa, surprisingly, is almost a fully evangelized country. It's 80% Christian, 20% Muslim at this point. Yes. So when it comes to Africa, I feel like the job has changed dramatically because mm-hmm. that happened in the last 100 years, between 1900 and the year 2000, it went from 0.2% Christian to over 80% Christian. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, we're, so we're looking... You can thank Dr. Livingston for Yeah, that. absolutely. So, so we're looking at a country that's almost fully evangelized in the terms of the numbers. So yes. when we're looking at Africa now, what is the mission to Africa? We're not sending people necessarily to, to share the gospel now, I would assume? Is that safe to say that we're doing something different now? There's definitely uh, there's definitely some still lost areas um, there in Africa. There's still some villages. There's still some areas that is isolated and, and might not have heard the f- full gospel. Right. And the reason they sure. might have heard a name, they might have, and that's the same in the United States, they yeah, might yeah, have yeah. heard a name right. but not... But I think the main part, us as missionaries, uh, sending missionaries to Africa and doing things is more for discipleship, more for in growth. Uh, A lot of times um, the churches do not have the resources. They don't have – sometimes they they don't have uh, Bibles. They don't have uh, things in their own language. They don't have have the knowledge or know where to get the knowledge for teaching and, and doing the things like that. And to offer that in a Christ-like attitude, in a Christ-like um, way, is uh, very important. Okay. Um, I think when looking at the eighty twenty, one thing I learned, again, because we had training about four weeks ago. Right. I was in the home office, and the secretary of ECWA is the Evangelical Church Winning All. It's a big African Christ-centered organization. Um, their secretary came down, and I got to spend a lot of time with his wife. Uh, I was one one you know me and my mm-hmm. chocolate skin um <laughs> i was the only black person in training oh wow and so she just 
shot to yeah, me yeah, and yeah. she was like you are my american sister and i was like girl i am nice. but we sat down and talked um allison madu and she they were expressing to me that a lot of what christianity looks like now in africa is the prosperity gospel that okay. the majority of that 80 percent that we see in statistics are teaching prosperity gospel so they're not really getting the gospel they're not getting the truth about who christ is and why we live for him and i think that's why with a church that size they're really intentional about sharing the raw truths about okay. scripture and who jesus commands us and to be do they do we think that um it's because america seems to be such yes. a big push of sending missionaries to to africa yes. I, I, from what I read, it seems like America was the the bit the number. Well, it's the number one, pretty much in all mission fields. Mm-hmm. But Africa specifically, mm-hmm. a lot of people leaving America and going to Africa and doing that. So, with the prosperity gospel, I would say probably is most prevalent mm-hmm. in the United States. Is that why we're seeing such a high conversion I think rate so too. towards that? Um, I can't. And I would like also probably say probably the financial backing from the prosperity mm-hmm. gospel. Hey, you know what? The prosperity gospel is prosperous if you're the one preaching it, right? <laughs> right. You know, I mean. Yeah. So I guess they're sending a lot of money over there too. Mm-hmm. Now, Shock, uh, with what, with moving to Africa, there's a lot that goes into that. <laughs> there's a lot of time. There's a lot of uh, perseverance. There's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just at a, for my own edification and for the people listening, if you were comfortable sharing challenges that you've faced or that you are still facing, mm-hmm. uh, if you wanted to share some of that, I think that's going to be probably the bulk of the conversation. Is just like. I mean, you're moving. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, tell, tell me what that feels like, what that's like. Um, because I don't want to ramble. Well, you have <laughs> an try. hour, so okay. Okay. <laughs> you can do um, it. I try to think of about three, and I think the first one that comes to mind is my expectations of people, not letting that dictate my perseverance. Um, and I, I said it in my blog a while back. And, and what, what's the what's the blog, by the way? Shakila.com. Shakila.com. S-H-A-K-I-Y-L-A. There you go. Go read it. <laughs> um, that I, I'd formulated this idea of what it would look like when I first told everybody I was going to Africa. And I guess it wasn't realistic. I was just like, everybody gets so excited that I'm finally being obedient to God. And this is so big and this is so grand and 90% of the people I say, I know, love telling people to follow their dreams and do what God's calling you to do, and I'm behind you. And it just wasn't that way. That wasn't the way it happened. Um, I got a lot of likes on Facebook, <laughs> and I got a lot of shares and a few texts of people saying that they were praying for me. But when it got down to, um, can we sit down and have a conversation about how this is really going to look, I there wasn't that much. Um, it what People weren't receptive to it, and... I don't I don't know if I would talk I was talking to you or Emily, but it was one of y'all and she just kinda reminded me, you know, everybody will always have their schedules, their busy schedule. Mm-hmm. It was Lindsay Mattingly, she okay. said it. She was like, Remember that everybody has their busy schedules and they just kinda get caught up in that day and it's not that people don't wanna be there. Um, it's just that it kinda slips their minds sometimes and I was like, Oh, you know, I yeah. didn't really know how to respond to it because sure. I don't empathize with that. That's not something that I do. Like, mm-hmm. if you know me, what you do, right. you know I love fervently. Like, I'm very intentional about being there for the people that I care about when they expect me to be there and when I know I need to be there. So, right. 
that's a lesson that I'm learning. And I would say, Kent, you could probably edify this point too, in that I think sometimes people don't understand the the broad spectrum that is missions. That mm-hmm. if that if you don't come out and say like, oh, I'm going to the 1040 window, you're never going to hear from me again, and the government may kill me because I'm going to communist China to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, I, I had that issue with someone else here at the church who who left to do missions, and it was and it. I had to battle with this in my own head that she was going to do, basically to go do a job Mm -hmm. that was missions oriented. She was going to translate and do stuff like that. And I was like, well, that's not as important as these other people, what they're doing. And I had to rectify that in my head, like, no, Justin, you're an idiot. That's, Mm -hmm. it's all important. So Kent, I, I would say that it's all equally important, but with what shock does and what this other person does, how does that help drive the wheels of missions? You know what I mean? Like, like what she said. Like, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is like, people may have se- seen her say or seen you say that I'm going over there to teach how teachers, and they're like, oh, well, that's not as cool as <laughs> you know, going in the jungles with a backpack and uh-huh. finding unreached people groups. Okay, whatever. You know, how important is what Shock does and what this other person does? You know, to the wheels of missions and keeping the you know the kingdom come, you know, moving. I think one of the first things that we have to address with that is that we as the church have to do a better job of teaching what missions is. Hmm. We take our idea of missions, especially as Baptists, we take our ideas for missions from William Carey. When he and his family moved, they moved to India, they g- gave up everything, mm-hmm. and just and, and from there we have based off our missions ideas from there you know that it could be life-threatening several of the early missionaries i mean they lost their lives doing what they were doing missions has evolved as our society is also involved and one of the things that we have to do is um understand that we're all called to missions and we're all called to missions in different ways um i have always felt the calling of doing missional type work but i never was called out um, I was called to be within the church right. and to be a, a pastor, and uh, now God is allowing me to do something that's very dear to my heart, which is missions. The reason I'm explaining all that is to answer your question. We need there's so many aspects of missions that we have to do. Mm-hmm. We have to have people who are going in and doing career-type missions with the idea of evangelism, like building wells, making companies, right. doing those. That's very important. We need people like um, like uh, uh, Tyndale uh, that goes and translates and, and, and does the Bible because we have people in uh, still so many people um, groups that do not have the Bible translated in their own language. You need people like Shaquilla who's going to go and teach teachers and show them uh, the areas and how to do that. We need multiple things in the Christian ideas. And the main point of all the missions is building relationships to be able to introduce Christ. Where Shaquilla mentioned about the prosperity gospel, for some of us it's going to be missions in places they've heard of Christ, but they've been taught a false doctrine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's not get yeah, that, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, sure. that's a false doctrine, that, and that's, that's not, not to be that, taught. That is a point that I hadn't even thought of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they believe it, and they live by it. So sure. when they go through any kinds of trials, they immediately run away from God because they don't understand their sure. circumstances. But who wouldn't? Mm-hmm. Because when I'm living there, and I'm poor, and I'm all I have is a dirt floor and all these things, and I'm said that 
that's a false gospel. Right, right. And uh, so you have people like Shaquille who's going to be coming in and showing, I gave up everything to do something like this, mm-hmm. and that's completely against. Yeah, it's counter to what they mm-hmm. already are. And that's going to speak volumes. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the uh, 1040 window yeah. earlier, and I sat down with when she was in town uh, recently or whatever. And she was just kind of, I forgot what I was about to say. I'm sorry. Talking about the 1040 window. Yes, the 1040 window that Nigeria is one of the northern countries in Africa where it's split right down the middle. Okay, interesting. The the 1040 window that's posted, you see the bottom half of the line. You see the bottom half of the line. It kind of cuts in the middle of northern and southern Nigeria. Northern Nigeria is still a lot of tribal areas. Um, is it's completely different from southern Nigeria and you see that Christianity is booming in the south and it doesn't look like that in the north and it's because that's still an area where there are unreached people groups. Interesting. Okay. So what so you said you had three things that you want to talk about. So give me the give me the next one. Okay. Um I guess the second one is leaving, which is pretty obvious. Um leaving my family Leaving my friends, leaving my students has been the hardest thing, trying to kind of detach and understand what that'll look like when I'm not here, but still being here is hard. Yeah. So nine, the majority of my day is occupied by preparing for Africa, planning for Africa, and setting myself up to go, mm-hmm. but I'm still here, yeah. so my students are still seeing me, and my brothers are still seeing me, and my mom is still seeing me, so it's... It's, it's almost frustrating for both of us that we're preparing to let go, but we don't even know when that'll be. Um, my departure is dictated by my funding. So until I'm funding, I can't leave. So it's just like we're all in this limbo right, right. area, and it's hard. Now, uh, I'm not going to downplay that at all. Mm-hmm. I have never moved away from Lake Charles. I've only ever lived in Lake Charles. and But uh, I could imagine that there's a little bit of um, comfort in that you live in 2018 now where I, I don't know where you I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know the specifics of where you're going I'm a horrible friend mm-hmm. and my brain doesn't retain that That's kind of okay. information all I know is that I'm in deep <laughs> deep denial that shock is leaving so um, but uh, is this a place where you know contact will be easy um a friend of mine Allison she just got to Malawi this week is she doing missions out she's there? doing okay, the same okay. yeah um teacher training the same thing okay okay and she doesn't have like really good wi-fi connection or anything like that mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we pay for in our fund in our funding okay to be able to have those kinds of adjustments but yeah. um we talked today and she was just like it's not, i can't really facetime my family i can't really skype but we both have whatsapp and whatsapp is uh, like this free app for international contact. I so yeah. we can text. That's cool. So she and I have been kind of keeping up. She's been telling me how I can pray for her while she gets acclimated. And that was, she said that that was one thing that just kind of punched her in the gut when she got there. Cause she was expecting that she should, that she would be able to. And that wasn't, that's not really how it's happening, but you know, she's kind of going with the flow and learning through it. Now with the feeling of, you know, you leaving and preparing your family and your family preparing to, for people who, who may be listening who are on the fence about missions or maybe they're feeling a calling on their life, um, 
you know, I've seen a hardcore determination in you that this is what's going to happen. <laughs> this is that I'm going, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a pretty hard, it's the type of determination that I've only had in my life for a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife being one of them and taking care of my family being the other one. The only two things that I've felt like I've had that kind of determination and drive that I'm going to do this right. So for people who may be on the fence, what is like, man, it's such a weird, like, I'm not trying to be sound dumb, but what does that feel like to be like, this is like, for people who are like, I don't know if what I'm feeling is correct, because mm-hmm. I know probably every Christian, especially young Christian at one time went to a camp and went, oh, I'm in it. I'm going to yeah. be a missionary. And yeah. then a month later, they're like, yeah, no, this isn't going to mm-hmm. happen. So what is the difference? Um, Kent, you know what I'm talking about. You're a youth minister. You've probably seen every kid ever says, I'm going to be a missionary. And you go, okay, yeah, we'll see. And exactly, that's uh, exactly how you yeah. have to treat it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say one thing before Shock Talks, and that is I went to a Christian's college that was only um, – the only men who were allowed to go there were men going into the ministry. And then I went to New Orleans Theological Baptist Seminary, you know, obviously, and – and I went to school with a lot of guys who were going to the ministry, mm-hmm. air quotes that you cannot see there. <laughs> and, um, and then then after a year or two, they stopped. Part of that is you have to be called, and that calling has to be exactly how you described it, Justin. It has to be that determination of this is what the Lord has said. Um from ministry in a local church to ministry in a foreign country, they're very similar in the sense that you have to be called because you cannot go on the strength of yourself. You have to go on the strength of the Lord. And a lot of people sometimes choose missions and missionary things because of based off of feelings, and that that's very scary. Um, and we have to be very cautious to encourage that because there is a lot of planning a lot of determination but you have to be biblically called to to do that and i'll I'll give you an example i started with 10 guys my freshman year and i'm the only guy still in the ministry out of those and um and i'm not going to tell you that i've i i went to to uh churches that were all easy i mean you're going to have things that happen the the difference of that is knowing your calling and knowing there's this desire. I see that in Shaquille. I see the desire that she has not to just go and do something based off of a feeling, but she has a desire to reach these people for Christ. And I'm just going to go ahead and say something that she's already mentioned. Shaquille is going to be very successful, and part of that is because, as she mentioned, when she went to the training, that she was the only uh, African American in the group, mm. that's going to have yeah, absolutely. That, that's going to make such an impact on her career over there that I can't wait to hear what happens with that, right? Because they're going to immediately relate to Shaquilla, and that's amazing. Well, the 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 part of that that I find odd with people who maybe they get the emotional feeling of it, and I, I think that that is something that I've never seen this happen from any other part of culture in that people will feel this immediate emotional response to something really adverse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like 
if there was a ministry that was like sitting around watching The Office and eating all day, I would definitely be called to that ministry, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying. Like, of course, why wouldn't I? It sounds awesome. I would totally <laughs> want to do that. But when it comes to missions and people just getting that emotional response to something that's really not fun, mm-hmm. well, yeah, fun in, the, in, in a worldly sense. It's mm-hmm. not fun to have to go raise money. It's not fun to have to say goodbye to your family. It's not fun to go to a country that is... For the most part, Africa is trying to kill you. You know mm. what I mean? There's so much ad- adverseness to places with hard climates, with disease and animals, and there's bugs that are bigger than me, and I hate <laughs> that about it. You know, like, so what I wonder what it is, and this is how this podcast works. We just, I just follow whatever idea kind of, and mm. Tim does the same thing. We just kind of follow whatever idea comes out. What is it sometimes about the Christian culture that, oh, I'm supposed to feel. Mm. called to something that's uncomfortable i really think it's a sense of pride sometimes that okay. if i'm saying that i'm a christian and if my goal is to look like christ then i have to do the the down yeah, dirty stuff the stuff that no all my stuff yes yes give away um, my, yeah yeah and it doesn't sound like pride when you say it aloud because it's like this is a form of service this is a sacrifice air quotes like kent did that you can't see mm-hmm. but if if the heart of it isn't for service to God and making his name known, that's why those feelings become temporary. I am exhausted. I'm exhausted. Like emotionally, spiritually, mentally, I am exhausted. But sometimes that's just what service looks like. If I could bow out, I probably would have about five or six times. But like Kent said, it's my calling. So every morning when I wake up, God replenishes the fact that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know for how long, and I don't know to what extent, but I know that now I'm going. And that's the point. And that's the point. See, when you're called, you can put every roadblock. And it's so funny how our society says, well, if there's roadblocks, then that means you're not called. Right, right. I disagree with that. Even when there's roadblocks and you're called, there ain't. There's not going to be any roadblocks. See, for example, I was called to be a uh, a pastor at 13, and I'm a lot different now than I was at 13. And part of that was I battled with dyslexia. I was told I would never go to a college. I was uh, had a severe stutter that did not disappear till I was 15. A lot of people would look at that and go, "There's no way he's called." But see. God doesn't um, call those who are equipped. He equips those who are called. And that's what sometimes I see, like with Shaquilla, there has been some roadblocks, major roadblocks. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that I I do hope we can discuss here in a minute is funding. Because when Shaq and I talked about it, I was shocked of how little people are funding of something um, and but my point being is it hasn't stopped her. There's no doubt. There's a lot of people who, who come up to me after a camp, like you said, Justin. I'm called, and it is. Let's wait. Let's see. Yeah. Let's go. And the same thing with people called to ministry. I've had several young men say, "I'm called to ministry. I'm called to ministry. I'm called to ministry." And then as soon as they get a roadblock, as soon as they get something maybe not their way, well, I'm I'm not I'm not called anymore. Mm. You probably weren't called in the beginning, right. unfortunately, <laughs> because you're going to get those things. It, it, ministry missions they're not easy, mm. and they're not easy callings. And um, it's just like what Shaquilla. I wake up every morning replenished, ready to go, and this December will be my twentieth year of doing that. 
you can't do something for 20 years and, and you know and go half-heartedly uh-huh. yeah exactly and or so in your own power uh, amen and, and i would even say too that like we were just talking about the spectrum of missions and ministry is so broad yeah. that when people feel that tug or they feel that calling they're like okay the pendulum immediately swings all the way it's like that's it i'm selling all my stuff and i'm gonna walk through the jungle like yeah. it doesn't make like like okay settle down and let's maybe flesh out exactly what that means yeah. i was a music minister at a church here in louisiana for about a year two years and very quickly, I realized I am not music minister guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I was because I was a musician and I loved Jesus. So it's like, hey, this there you it. go. That's, that's <laughs> the one. And and I was, you know, voted in and I had the pastor parking spot and all that kind of stuff. And I learned very quickly about myself that I'm not sit in the deacon meeting guy, that I'm like, I'm ready to fight old men who don't agree with me, guy, you know? So it, it took me a while to realize I was like, I'm definitely called to ministry, but it became this. And it's, you know, here at Sale where I serve under Jake, who is the worship leader, and I serve under that. I'm more of kind of behind the scenes, and mm-hmm. I have my dungeon here at the at Sale Street. And that this is where I've learned to flourish in my mm-hmm. ministry, and it's not – being the main guy on the microphone or, you know, trying to make decisions for anybody. You know what I mean? Great, well explained. I mean, that's a great example because that's what we do a lot of times. Oh, you have these gifts? Let me throw you into here. Right, right, right. Let me do this. And I loved how you explained it because that's where we as a church have to do a better job of teaching and discipling people because not everybody's going to be the main show. You right, know, exactly. One of the things is I've been 20 years of ministry – not once in those 20 years have I been a senior pastor. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been an associate pastor. I've been underneath a, a pastor. People ask me, well, how can you do that? Well, that's my calling. Mm. And he's the pastor and I am not. And that's how I see. But part of my job is making sure that I am the best under-shepherd of the shepherd that I can be and to to help his ministry and his goals and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and but that's definitely not sometimes pushed out among the church if you, because I want to go back to what Shock was saying because as she was saying that it didn't sound like pride when she was talking about it. It is pride in the sense that we think sometimes when we use words sacrifice, selfless, things like that that it sounds like a lot of times, it's exactly what she was saying. Where is the heart of the matter? That's what Jesus talked about throughout Matthew 5. It's not about the actions in which you do. It's about the heart in which you do it in. Um, we see that in many things that he says in the Sermon on the Mount. And I think that's exactly correct to hear. And, you know, when Shock says, well, what's the heart of it? Why do we want to say and swing the pen? Because it mm-hmm. sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you, you know, get And you get people that'll very quickly rally around your cause but whenever you choose a support role i call it a support role you know and that that sounds bad like like those people are rock stars and i'm the just the support guy yeah but it it it, it's in the hierarchy of you know no you you know you know you know what i'm saying yeah everybody (laughs) when you talked about the um the roadblocks it just i don't know it's just something i thought of that um my roadblocks aren't as ugly um they don't look like challenges like Kent talked about his stuttering when he was young and his dyslexia. And those things can be really hard uh, on your family and your own just security growing yeah, yeah, yeah. into your, your own calling. confidence. Yeah. Mine is like 
um, being offered a position at another school that I didn't think I would ever be offered or my students wanting me to adopt them because they have certain things going on at home that shouldn't be happening or um, finding opportunities to serve serve my family because they're moving closer to where I am and having to really sit down with God and be like, okay, what is this? Like, help me understand this because all of these things sound amazing and all of these things are service to you, but you just told me to do that. Yeah. So what am I supposed to do here? And and we could see a parallel in scripture whenever the man, he just wanted to go bury his dad. He wanted to serve his family in that way and to just honor his his dead father, Mm. you know, and go do that. And then he's like, I'll come back and I'll follow you. And Jesus very specifically Mm. was like, it's like, no, you don't have time for that. I didn't I, think I, about that. I have, I have to. I'm calling you out now. You know what I mean? And 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 he ended up turning, you know, turning his back on Jesus to go do what he thought was right to serve his family. You know what I mean? So absolutely. That I just thought of that. That was really good. What? That was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Yeah. Now my uh, hand started shaking. Uh-oh. That's how I know. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> you know. Anyway. And, and, well, and you see too with with uh, the in respect to opportunities that you know. I've been offered jobs at other churches that were going to pay me more money, but they were not necessarily. I'll, I'll just say they weren't. They weren't gospel-centered churches, oh. and I've been offered to go do much more responsibility, much more money, blah blah blah. But I said no. But we could see that same parallel in scripture too. And it, I mean, these guys. Uh, I forgot who I was talking to. It may have been Drew Mills. That sometimes we look at the apostles. Um, that the fisherman thing was like a bad thing. Them being fishermen, it's like. That was actually a pretty darn good job. It'd be the equivalent of working in the plants in mm-hmm. Louisiana. It was a blue-collar job, but it paid well. you know. And they, they made plenty of money getting, getting fish to sell at market and stuff like that. So to think of them as being fishermen, it's like, oh, they would have wanted to turn that down to follow Christ. It's like, actually, no, it was kind of a pretty big sacrifice. It was a family business, actually. Yeah, exactly. And so we, it was we, very rooted, a very strong business to be in, in uh, you know, in that time, right? Yes, and a lot of them actually owned their own ships. A lot of them had people who worked underneath them. We see that when the calling of Christ came to Peter and Andrew and John and James, who both fathers were fishermen and both fathers were known in the in the right, town. Right. That's Respected. why yeah. that's why their names are used, son of, son of right, right, right. because people would have known in that area who these men were. So they came to them and said, Hey, you're gonna leave. But we see that in the same passage that you just talked about, you know, when Jesus talked to three disciples back to back, he 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 gives them a problem and they leave. You know, let me follow you. Foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has no uh, no place to lay his head. Right. Are you willing to be homeless? Yeah, yeah. You know, he well. Let me say goodbye to my family first. No. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you turn back, if you put your hand on the plow, you'll never come back. You know. Uh, where's your security at? And then third one that you mentioned was about the father. Interesting fact about that, the the wordage that's used there actually means that he had not died yet. He okay, was sick. I see, I see, yeah. Okay. He was sick. And and, and but, but he was Jewish on, customs He was on his deathbed. He was though, on his deathbed. Okay. And and so on Jewish customs though, if you did not foresee through the whole process, which took a year, which took about a year for, right, right, for the right. whole process of uh, of doing the wheel and, and things like that, he got zero of the money. I see. So he's saying, "Are you willing to live up your security, your your financial security, financial yeah, yeah, yeah. things?" 
So he really talks about this. Are you willing to leave it all? Are you willing to say goodbye to your family? Are you willing to are, are, are you willing to give up financial security? That's what he's asking, and it's not just for missionaries. He's saying that to all Christians. Are we willing to do that? Um, we have a very hard time in the United States to understand that. That's why when people like Shaquilla is called, we have no grasp and understanding that. We don't really understand what she's doing. And that saddens me um, because we miss opportunities to really serve people when they need to be the most served. And they need to be loved. They need to be taken care of financially. They need to be given the security uh, of the family because we as a body of Christ should be doing that and understanding that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So the reason I mention all that is because what she's about to do is huge, but she's not called to do it alone. Right, yes. She's not called to do it alone. She's called to do it with the whole church. And it's uh, and that's what I do love about some things that we're trying to change here at Cell Street. And one of the things that we're doing is to better equip and, and, and help people. Right now we have over nine missionaries um, from our church who are and, going. And these are long-term missionaries, right? Yes, sir. They're long-term. Now, the reason why I ask, are they long-term, I was, whenever I was preparing for this podcast, I read a lot of stuff about short-term missions, and mm-hmm. this is another conversation we can have real quick. We'll take a, a detour down this conversation, and then we'll come back to what Shock was talking about. And it was, the article was about the ineffectiveness mm-hmm. of short-term missions. Now, I've noticed, be, coming from other churches, that Sale Street, I've never seen a short-term mission come out of Sale Street. What, is there a reason for that? Absolutely. <laughs> can you can, is it is it okay to share that reason? Yes. Let's do it. Yes. Uh, so, um, so we got to go back to toxic charity Definitely. the book again. Mm-hmm. Do it. All right. So toxic charity um, came out. I can't remember the exact date, but several years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can use the word several because I know it's been more than five. You know, five years ago or, or more than that. And I read it, and it changed my view. And as we changed our view, um, the Lord has allowed me to have um, influence within the church and and helped us all kind of change our view. Issues with short-term missions is we, if you go a week, the ones that you're doing that for is really for the missionary and you have to you have to understand that we have to be very cautious to say i'm going a week and i'm going to go change the world mm-hmm. um but the other thing is we have made countries and cultures dependent on us doing that and one of the things that we have to understand is we have to be very cautious of how we do it because we can make people very lazy um what happened was several of these countries when they did the research is they would come in and they would expect the Americans to bring in money, expect the things, and a lot of them would not work anymore. A lot of them would depend on these mission trips coming in week after week after week after week after week, and they would bring in the money, they would bring in the medical stuff, and a lot of them would become self-dependent. And instead of getting better, a lot of them stayed the same or actually got worse. Interesting. So it's almost kind of the teaching a man to fish versus giving him a fish. And that's exactly what he says Mm -hmm. in the book. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what was going on. And so, you know, 
where that began to affect me was that was right after I took our youth group to Kenya Hmm. for a week. And we, one thing though I liked about it was we didn't really just go say we're going to do a mission trip. Our our goal was to really see kind of how the orphanage and some of the things that we're going to do um, there that we went to Kenya. And um, so we did a lot of building. We we actually made bricks and built ha- helped build a uh, a place there. We also uh, Miss Barbara Thomas um, she helped painted a um, you know on the entry and some things sure. with her talents. So we kind of went into that attitude because we were very cautious of just going, but we got to go into the schools and do puppet shows and talk to the kids and meet the kids, and a lot of them had questions about the country and things like that, and that all that was very good. But when I got back, I went, did it really do anything? And the answer was yes and no. And it's just as in the book talks about the short-term mission uh, missions. We don't need to just stop them, but we need to be cautious with them. Yeah, we need to restructure what we're doing. Restructure it because what they really are is: Do we need teenagers going to third world countries? Yes, but for a different reason. Not to just say missions. We need. Um, he calls them vision trips to open their eyes and open their hearts to that. There's other parts and be very cautious. That we're just saying we're going to go in there and share the gospel. I get very nervous when we do these big tent revivals in these third world countries, but they always have strings attached. You have to go to these things once you get your medicines. You have to do this and and do all these things. Kind of a little bit of a bait and switch on I that's exactly uh, unfortunately what they can be. Now I'm not please. <laughs> I've never done this out in public where lots of people would hear me. I'm not saying that every mission does that i'm not saying that everything is wrong uh, a lot of places have also had changes of hearts and how they've done this and some of these things have changed i'm just saying some of the things i've seen over the years mm-hmm. what we're trying to do a little different at cell street is when we do go to week trips which we do we do yeah. some week long but we do very purposeful they they have they have to have a beginning and they have to have an end um, you know, for example, we go and we do construction trips through World Changers and where we build and do a project and it has a beginning, has an end. Now, do we get to do some evangelism? Yes, but it's in the community. And one of the things that we really stress to our kids, and they do a really good job of it, is that we really structure it to, and the World Changers done a phenomenal job of doing this over the years too, to a local church getting names getting things to them for their discipleship so so really the goal of the short-term mission is to both edify the people going to open their eyes to different cultures different parts of the world that may be struggling and not not like how we are in the west and also to support it should be to support the long-term missionary Mm -hmm. should that's exactly that that if that's not being happening and (laughs) and well one of the things is they would come in some of the originally short-term mission trips would come in and they actually made the missionary's job harder. I, I've, I know some long-term missionaries who's told me the same thing, yeah. And it made them harder. So one of the things I do when I do go into those trips, because I've done those trips multiple times. I've been to Nicaragua. I've been to Honduras. I've been to El Salvador. I, I've been to Guatemala. I've been to Kenya. 
as you can see, I've been to several yeah, yeah, yeah. several countries. Panama, I, I can keep going. And one of the things that I do, and every one of them has been so appreciative of it, I call them ahead and I say, when we get there, you tell us what you need, not what we – I'm not going to give you the agenda because a lot of times they call and we, we give the agenda. This is right. what we're going to do. We try to find out what do you need us to do. Sometimes what they need us to do is just to do what they do daily, yeah, yeah. and it just allows them to do some other things. Right. Or if they have a bigger group, like sometimes they have said, we need this amount of people who have this skills for we can do these things. Yeah, I went to Guatemala for three weeks and poured concrete for a camp that was up there. They were building a basketball court. So we went and every day mixed concrete and buckets, I mean, and uh, wheelbarrows and just poured it out. I never met a single local while I was there, you know, mm -hmm. but that was the goal of the mission was to just help infrastructure for the long-term missionary who was running that camp, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's next? You have one more point. Um. Oh, no. Is this the hard one? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what did I say before? Perseverance. Yes. Um, expectations. Shock, let's talk about money. Okay. I think that's going to be really important for <laughs> well, the people. Well, that's what I was about to uh, say. Let's uh, talk okay. about your money. I think we need to talk about money because I think that's going to be a good point to wrap Not wrap up, but to, to kind of bring this conversation to a close is that okay. you need money. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what that looks like. Um. I would say that's probably the only roadblock that's ugly is, <laughs> yeah, it is. the money parks. Like, like you said, everything else, it's like jobs, uh -huh. hey, that gives you money. Heck, oh my gosh, you know, like, uh, you know, all these other things are super confusing, mm -hmm. and, and but they're, you know, people who maybe aren't, w wouldn't be Christians or called to the mission field are like, why don't you just stay here and do that? Yeah. But this is the ugly part, and yeah. this is the part that gets people super uncomfortable, uncomfortable. when you start yeah. talking about, I want to go do missions, can I have some money, you know? <laughs> Well, and it's hard to ask. It's hard to yeah, ask because because for sure. yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to ask. Especially someone. in America, where we're all self reliant, and I don't need anyone's help, and I'm the one going to help. Why do I need help? You know, I think that's a very strikingly Western American thing. And I completely agree. And, and I that think goes back to the short term mission thing. Is that mm -hmm. that's an American spirit of yeah. I need to go, and I'm not trying to. You know, me and Kent have really spirited conversations about this stuff but especially white americans and like i have to go to africa and help brown people mm -hmm. like that's like this mm -hmm. strikingly american kind of white privilege part of it and mm -hmm. we can all talk about it. that's a whole nother podcast but <laughs> but when it comes to the ugly stuff of like i'm an american i don't need anybody's help but now you're having to not you know not grovel and beg but yeah. you have to ask yes and i have to um expect the unexpected um, What's that mean? <laughs> like, again, my own personal expectations. I just knew that this was something that I'm not. I'm not the first person to say that they wanted to go overseas and do this kind of work. Right. That this isn't new, you know. Um, I contacted um, 32 churches in Lake Charles, and I heard back from three. We have 32 churches. We have, in we have a lot more than 32 wow. churches, and so we have 64 in the Curie Baptist Association. Yeah, and wow. that's just that association. Come on. And the churches that I contacted I'm, weren't all in that association. I'm being so ironic a little you're bit. You're ridiculous. But I know. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, and it's like I can't get those numbers out of my head. And some days I wish God would just erase it. Like I don't want to know that I contacted 32 and I heard back from three. Right, right. That's hard. That's a hard realization to have. But, um, 
the the support and the partnership that I have now, a lot of it is coming from people who either aren't in the church or do not call themselves Christians. So there have been crazy opportunities for me to share the gospel. My most recent was driving for Lyft because I quit my job because I don't have anybody sitting next to me like you want some money while you do this thing. You know, <laughs> I have to find other ways to support myself because I still have a car note. I still have car insurance. I still have bills for my apartment right, right. because I can't just throw those things away right now because sure. I don't have anywhere to go. You know, right, right. Um, so I started driving for Lyft and she recognized me from one of my students Instagram posts when I said that I was quitting that said I was going to Africa. The craziest that thing. That is crazy. And the degrees of separation between you yes, and that person are Yes, yes, yes. So I, I, I give treats to my passengers because I'm fat and I think everybody wants <laughs> treats. And um, I turned around to give her some treats. I was like, you want some chips, some candy, whatever. And she was like, oh my God, I know you. And I was like, dude, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm your Lyft driver. Yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, no, I know you. I know you. And she started playing on her phone and she found the post and she showed me the kid. And naturally, I was like, that's my baby. Because that's what I say about all my students. Because they all are. You said that about my kids, too. I said it. I love them. (laughs) Um, And we started talking about it. Legit pulled the car over and we're talking, we're talking. And she was like, I want to be a part of this. How can I be a part of this? Gave me her contact information. She started sponsoring me in the car. She pulled the website up. She was like, tell me what to do. She put her information in. She put the amount that she could do monthly because she's, you know, she got her own stuff going on. But she was like, I know that I'm supposed to be a part of this because I don't think this was an accident. And she did it. We got back on the road. I dropped off to her job, and that was it. We talk regularly. She got a monthly newsletter from me. She emails me. We text every once in a while. But it's like I get so down on that 32-3 that I forget that God will use who he will use when he says he'll use them. And it just made service now so much more sweet than it was before. Um, But, yes, asking is hard, especially when – um, it makes everybody so uncomfortable. Well, one of the things that you know, like for example, me and my wife, we support three missionaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Shock is one of those mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. we support, and we take a month. You know, yeah. And um, I would I would support all nine if I could <laughs> out of our church. Mm-hmm. Um, but financially, that gets hard. Yeah. you have to budget. You have to look at those things. Um, one of the things that you have to do is we have to pray and we have to look at our financial. We need to be making budgets and, and seeing because one of the things that we should be doing with our money is obviously our living expenses, savings. Those do need to happen. But number three, giving. Um, we we need to be giving, not just, yes, we need to be giving our tithe and offering, offerings, and you know, but there is some parts that we need to be giving in the offering of missions um because not only do we have uh, shakila but we have one, two, three. we have four who are doing what shakila is doing which is what i would call independent missions let me explain real quick okay if you're southern baptist um we do what's called the uh cooperative program and there's the imb in nam yeah, yeah the imb is the international mission board and if they go, they're funded. They they don't have to go raise money. They don't have to go do those things. Uh, North American Mission Board, again, they're funded. They're funded and, and can do that. But we're having more and more missionaries who 
because they want to do something different that IMB doesn't offer and do some things that they feel very called to do, like Shaquilla. Or, or maybe they don't meet the qualifications for yes. something like IMB. Yes, absolutely. And that, that could be two. Yeah. And they go, and uh, we're having more and more, especially in the Baptist church, um, to say, hey, I, I want to do independent. And what we have done, though, um, unfortunately, in the Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches, with the cooperative program, which I think is a it is a great idea when it was invented and, and what it can do for smaller churches to send out people. But what we have done is we've become lazy with that. We we immediately go, well, my tithe is going to some missionaries. Why can't you just do that? And we have to be cautious with that because w- – Shock is just as called as someone that's going to the IMB, and we need to be, you know, let's look at our finances and let's yeah, pray yeah, through yeah. that. And I do think that needs to be a family thing. Like, my two little boys know um, which missionaries we're supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, we pray for those missionaries because it needs to be a family affair. Right. I, I want them to know that when Shaquilla goes to Africa that we're going to be praying for her and we're praying for her preparation and that we're doing a support of that. Um, you know, because one of these things that you can press when you order, you can either do it for so long or, you know, basically right, right, right. to offend and beyond, um, and you know, no, j- you know, till canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that we've, we've done is till she's yeah, ready sure. because, yeah, yeah. and that's what she needs long-term partners. And, and I think too, like, uh, I think people don't. It's such a delayed gratification of I think supporting a long term mission missionary because like you know we had the build we have a building project that's actually coming to a close here at, at the church but it's something that it's like hey when you give your money to the building project you can see the yeah. wood go up you can yeah. see the stone being laid you can see those things and it's something tangible and grasp you can grasp onto that and see your money being used so shock with something like this when people donate. I'm not asking you to, to air what you do with your money, but mm-hmm. what does that money go to? You know what I mean? Um, most of it goes to my survival. Uh, okay. In but, short, yeah. so international insurance has been the most expensive thing I can see in my financial breakdown. Right, right. It's about $6,000 a year. Um, $6,000 a year for my minimal two years is $12,000, and that's a lot of money. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a lot of money. So I'm, I'm trying to buy a house right now, and I haven't even heard that number. Yet. <laughs> you know, as far as like yeah. what I have to bring yeah. to the table, all that stuff. That's and insane. It's, it's that expensive because I'll fly into the country, but we have about a five hour drive to where we're, where I'll be living. So getting me out of there and where I'll need to be, if there's any kind of medical problems, it won't be cheap. You know, right? And anything that could happen, God forbid, uh, some kind of illness. It won't be cheap to treat. Yeah. So the insurance covers all grounds, and I, I think that's why I know that's why it's that pricey. But I also have an evacuation amount. So if there is some kind of something cooking up there and our director and the nationals who help with the organization that we're under, because we have national representation. So Okay, I got to ask this real quick. Though. Okay. When you say something cooking, are you talking about, like, we're talking like natural disaster? No, no, no. We're, no. Talking, we're talking about uh, wars, uh, like war, religious uh, wars, okay, tribal wars, okay. things Re- like that. Rebellion, anything Definitely. like that. Okay, Definitely. okay. Well, that's um, intense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so this is money that, that does what? protects protects you uh-huh it definitely okay. protects and provides for me okay um, to where like if you can't leave the house because 
whatever. Yes. This is money that's going to definitely. But basically, it's like a trust fund for that's, conflict. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Boom! I made that, that up on the spot. It was awesome <laughs> though. <laughs> um, so my evacuation fee, because if we do have to fly out, that costs. Um, things like Wi-Fi, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, make, having that. I don't know what to call it. I guess it's an amenity. Um, Not in 2018. Okay. I don't really consider it that. Okay. It's actually probably yeah. a necessity at this point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So having um, Wi-Fi, the well water, because that's something that's happening on the village grounds. It's still a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, packaging, mailing, travel there and back okay. uh, for Lowe's. If I want to come home and see my family, if I need to come home and see my family, if there's a death in my family, sure. you know, things like that. All of that's packaged into my funding. Right now, it's looking at about $70,000. $70,000 for two years, so about 35000 okay. a year. Um, Is this going to just fund, like, where you live and what you eat and all that stuff, too? Everything. Okay, cool. Everything. Um, they kind of, that's kind of like a stipend. They call it a salary, something like okay, that. Okay, okay. So when I want to go get food, when I need groceries, I'm in the process now of selling all my clothes because why not yeah. um, I'm sure not a lot of what you wear is probably going to be very uh, friendly not. for yeah. African climate <laughs> definitely not in friendly for African climate or leadership positions I'm only 26 and I'm a woman and I don't matter there um, to be frank that me being a leader is it's not common um, the men probably won't respect my leadership like if I don't find yeah, <laughs> if I don't find ways to to prove that it should be respected. The thing that I have most that would have people listen to what I say is a master's degree. Oh, Outside wow. of that degree, I probably won't be taken seriously. So um I wanna At wear national sure, yeah. yes. I wanna wear national garment and I I want to show that I am taking heed to what the culture means and what it stands for. So little things like that Funding goes to all of that. Um, I've had a couple meetings with people who wanted to become partners, like come over, I'll cook, let's sit down and let's talk about it together. And I'm able to show them on paper this, this, this and this. That's where that's why the funding is important. Um, And I've got to see those uh, statistics. And um, now it's been a few weeks since we've met. But last time we met, you were about at 12% of what you need. Where are you at now? I don't know. We find out monthly. One thing the organization started doing was not letting us see it whenever we wanted to see it because anxiety seemed to kick in. Um, That if I can pull out my cell phone and see where I am now, I'm going to start freaking out Mm -hmm. if it's not where I thought I should be. So at the end, it's kind of like checking your checking account at the end of the month. Like, all right, let's (laughs) Let's see see what trouble I'm in. (laughs) Okay. So what our financial director does is he'll email us. um, This is where you are at the end of the month. Now, if I am at a place where I'm like, no, I need to know, I can definitely shoot him an email and be like, hey, can you show me where I am now so I can give my church this, you know, this idea of where I stand now and where I need to be or something like that. He's always really receptive. Most of the girls could text them or well, email him in about an hour or so he'll get them something. Right. I just haven't. Um, so, so shock, then. take a couple of minutes and the mic is yours. Tell people what, how they, like if they've listened to this podcast and I hope that there are, I hope we had the most listeners on this podcast <laughs> and it, you know, this is an important thing. Mm-hmm. So, if you are out there and you're moved by this story and by what's going to be happening, if they wanted to support, take a few minutes and tell them exactly 
how they need to do that. Okay. Um, support is fairly easy. I am active on all of my social media outlets right now because I know that I can be and I know that it's an easy way to contact me. So Shaquilla Solomon on Facebook, Shaquilla S on Instagram, Shaquilla.com is my formal website and you can sign up for email notifications or just send me a message from my website's homepage. Um, most of those ways, my email is Shaquilla.Solomon at Outlook.com. Because my name is so ridiculous, I can make Shaquilla for everything and nobody has it. <laughs> you don't need any so numbers. Do or, yeah, uh, no, just straight Shaquilla. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so all of those ways are easy. I'm really open to even if you don't know for sure if you want to become a sponsor or a partner, but you're like, I want to hear more about this. Contact me because I feel like Kent said there's a lack of knowledge in that area. I agree. And I feel like I learned so much in the past year that it would be a tragedy for me to not share with people who have that yearning to hear it. Absolutely. So, um, yes. And Kent, if people wanted to get in touch with you to talk about, um, you know, missions and even if they wanted to get to shock through you, what is a good place they could reach you? You can reach me on my email. I'm very quick to respond. Yes, you are. <laughs> that is Kent at sellstreet.org. That's S-A-L-E street, S-T-R-E-E-T dot O-R-G. Awesome. Well, look, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, we're going to wrap this conversation up. I'm so thankful to have both of you yeah. on the podcast. This was awesome, and I loved the way it all worked out where Tim called me and said, I'm not doing my podcast this week. I said, well, I'm going to do it without you. And I called these two up, and, I mean, the answers were just yes immediately, and I loved mm -hmm. that. And I think to my closing statement is that the gospel is a long story mm -hmm. for everyone, and no one's story is over. You know, Shock's story with this isn't over. Just because there's adversaries and the enemy is attacking, the story goes on for a really long time. And I think that the truth of the gospel is said through the long term. Mm -hmm. Whenever yeah. Jesus says to go and make disciples, the, a disciple is someone that you're living life with. Mm -hmm. It's not just someone that you're like, I'm going to just teach you the Bible and we're not – these These are people that you adopt into your tribe, people that you make your family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's why I always had the problem with the short-term missions and that people going over there, to, they say to share the gospel. It's like, yeah, well, what are you doing after that? Yeah. You know, are you affecting people? Are you adopting people into your family and saying, you're mine now? Mm -hmm. We're in this together. You know, and I think that that is so important for anyone who's listening that when we say that we're going to make disciples, it's the way that Kent makes me a disciple and that Kent, call, you know, he texts me and calls me and he talks to me about my kids all the time. He, he's part of my tribe in that way. And it's the way that my family disciples Shock and Shock disciples us and that Shock comes to my house and eats. You know, we do the most basic primal things and that's like, I'm going to feed you. Mm -hmm. That's like basic necessity of a human life is you need to eat mm -hmm. and you're going to come do it here. So the, to, to make someone a disciple is to make someone part of your tribe. And that, that banner and that tribe, the, the head of that tribe being Jesus Christ and all of us, he is the, the head of that tribe. And when we adopt people into that, it's a very serious thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a selfie that you take with a kid who doesn't look like you from another country and you post on the internet. That's your discipleship. No, that's nothing mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Real discipleship is a, is, a, is a hardcore servitude and supportive role in someone's life. So... Thank you for listening. If you liked the podcast, please subscribe, review it, leave me five stars. If you have anything less than five, just don't bother. 
No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Leave a review, share it with people, especially this episode. If you've listened to this, send this to anyone in your life who you think may be affected by a story and by a conversation like this. Shock, I love you so much. I thank you so much for coming here. Like I said, still in deep, deep, deep denial that this is happening. Kent, you're my brother. I thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and uh, thank you for listening.